Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as light workers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's the Matter, we will shine light on a hot and relevant topic that means something to us, and we are sure will mean something to all of you. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Welcome, Jesse. Hi, everyone. Um, so, Jesse was supposed to be with us tonight on our Red Bank panel and can't make it because she is being called to duty, as that happens often in life where you work. I don't know if you remember what that's like, Marissa, um, in a traditional. What do you mean? This doesn't count? So, sometimes you got to do what you got to do when you don't work for yourself. So, um, Jesse was supposed to be with us tonight, and instead, we're interviewing her fast now, and hopefully, we'll be able to get some of her answers, um, you know, spliced into our panel tonight. And I'm just doing that little quick intro because in case we're able to even take any of that audio and use it in any way. So our friends at Shared Universe will use this as they please. So thank you, Jesse, for being here. Um, Marissa, I don't know if Marissa, you want to just tell us I, a little I bit would like you met Jesse. Ironically, Jesse, I, 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 I don't want to water down our very special bonds. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm starting to have like a creepy MO that I like have a really nice bond with someone that's like waiting on me. And then I <laughs> connect with them on LinkedIn because I just did it again this weekend uh, or this past week when we were away. However, Dave and I, my husband and I hadn't been out since, March. I don't know, March, February. February, when we were looking at it, it was actually longer because, you know, however the schedule was right before COVID, we hadn't even been out for a long time and the first night that we went out to dinner we went to this beautiful restaurant called one willow in um the highlands in new jersey and i was a nervous wreck but wearing a cold dress and a mask and jesse was our uh our guru of the meal and the server of the drink and also the person that made me feel super comfortable behind her mask and what happens for me is I get to talking especially when I'm nervous or trying to ignore anxiety and she poured a terrifically stiff tequila which may or not may not be relevant in this moment um and we start chatting only to discover that she was the epitome of all things that I find interesting um that she was pivoting um pivoting in her pivot and had her master's in public health. I realized I didn't even tag one willow in like all of our marketing today. Cause she has like 14 jobs and titles. And I was more focused on your like quote unquote day job. Um, I just texted Mara. So I'm like, when we repost later, can you share one willow? Um, well, because that's what we meant. Yeah. One willow, by the way, um, related and unrelated. Cause this is how Marissa and I work was also my first date night out with my husband. Oh. Not on purpose. Like that was where we both, had on our list folks had recommended it that you guys were doing a really good job 
at the social distancing and just the tables and it's a gorgeous spot. And I had had it on my list for a while. My kids actually go often with my babysitter to the beach. That's just a few minutes up the road from that restaurant. In fact, they're going there right now. And so I pass it often, but I had never been. And I was like, I need to go there. And so I went there like a week before Marissa went there and had similar drinks and experience, but not Jesse with not, not with Jesse. No, so Jesse and I connect, right? Jesse, we have this like love fest over the cocktails and the dinner. I definitely had three orders of tuna tacos or something like that. Oh my and God. The tuna tacos are so good there. Next thing you know, I realized that she is, that she has moonlighted in food service. Um, I, at this point, I have no idea that she's uh, married to somebody that's also in that world. That's irrelevant to the conversation, but she had, uh, an incredible job opportunity where she was working, which I'll let her say, um, somewhere special in, in the state of New Jersey, but also had her master's in public health. So as I was anxious, she was actually um, a person looking over her mask, assuring me that I was in a safe space doing the right thing around safe people. And I really think um, this conversation is really meant about professional pivoting but if we can splice it in with someone that has a really good point of view on what the hell is going on right now, I think it helps. So totally. That's a so pretty if you could, Jesse. Jesse, go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience, who you are. Obviously, we touched on where you work a bit, but tell us a little bit about what you do. And then we can get into a couple of the questions that we would have asked you tonight had you been able to join us. So go ahead, Jesse. Sure. So thankful for both of you. And um, I often find that the best relationships are the ones that I make table side. And it never is planned that way, but it always seems to be true that I meet the most interesting people just doing my nighttime job as opposed to my daytime job. <laughs> so, um, I'm currently working as the assistant manager and lead server over at One Willow in the Highlands. Um, I came on with these guys last summer as part of the opening team, and I decided to come back this year, even though I live all the way in Princeton, um, just because I love it there so much, and I love the work that we do. Um, so I had a really interesting opportunity to bring my public health expertise to the table there. Um, as we were starting our reopening process, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty and questions about how do we make this work? and um, how do we make sure that every person that comes through the door knows that we're doing our best job to make sure everyone is safe, healthy, you know, has a pretty normal quote unquote experience while being there. Um, and that people just leave feeling like they did the right thing in coming. So um, this summer I focused a lot of my attention towards designing our public health plan as far as reopening went. Um, we took into consideration all the safety protocols that were put in place by the state, of course, but then we also added on some of our own. Um, and we really wanted to, like I said, just make sure that everyone who came felt safe and comfortable. And from offering tableside service, one of my favorite things this whole summer was just uh, being the first server that many people saw since the winter time. You know, so it was really an honor to take care of people like Marissa and her husband who hadn't been out in months, you know, and make them feel like, okay, I can do this again. And this is fun and safe. And I don't feel that weird, even though my server is wearing a mask and gloves. 
So that's been a really um, enjoyable part of my job in spite of, you know, having like chin acne from sweating in my mask all day. We were just uh, talking about that last night. I'm like, we're having so many issues in this area. That's why on Zoom, I use the touch up feature because this is not pretty right now. But I hear you. Uh, you know, it's been, um, I think as, as a server, um, I often lose sight of the joy that we can bring people as they, you know, meet at the dinner table. So this summer has been um, filled with a lot more of those joyful moments than usual, just because people are uh, discovering their new normal and, uh, you know, rejoining each other for the first time in so long. So, uh, I've always been drawn to the service industry as much as I have such a deep love-hate relationship with it. It's just something that is apparently a part of who I am as much as I fight it. And um, last September, I started a new job as the residence director of the governor's mansion in New Jersey. Um, it's, it's been an ironic and pivoting experience for me as I was a person who said, I'm never moving back to New Jersey and <laughs> don't want to be in the hospitality industry. So here I am working in an executive level position, doing exactly both of those things, representing the state. So <laughs> <laughs> that's well, pivot number one. That is a pivot. Yeah. Um, you know, so I've had to really uh, reframe my thinking over the last year about um, what an honor it is to have such a position and um, what a unique arena it is that I work in because I never know who's walking in the door for these dinners. I just know that they're there for an important reason and it's my job to make sure that they have a memorable time. So, you know, not that different from the restaurant. It's um, that same level of hospitality and care um, just representing a different group of folks. So uh, pivoting away from the world of public health just after I'd finished my master's degree was something that was very difficult for me because it's the field that I am most deeply connected to and am most passionate about. And when we talk about pivoting, that central point for me has always been the the bettering of things for others and that focus on service onto others. So taking these positions um, really forced me to look inside myself for um, something bigger. And it took a little convincing that perhaps I would be meeting my next boss in one of these jobs and that it would all be worthwhile in the end. Um, so ironically, my husband, uh, Chaz DeCellis, who couldn't make it today, he's also working. Um, he was the executive chef and one of the opening partners at B2 and Red Bank. Um, and he also was given an opportunity to step away from that industry that he'd known for his whole life to uh, come work for the governor as his chef. So... Um, I think for him too, there was a lot of hesitation in how do I step away from working the line every night and how do I manage having more free time than 10 minutes a week like I used to. And uh, it's been an interesting first year for us. We got married last September. We took these jobs last September and we moved to Princeton last September. So we just like really 
rip the bandaid of new life off. And, uh, you know, the last year we've really learned to uh, communicate effectively in terms of executing things at the level that the governor expects and also just running things um, every day to that 100% level of expectation. Can you understand why I wanted her to be on the podcast yeah. as I'm sitting at one willow having a cocktail with David with this girl behind her mask? And I'm like, and so tell me something else, Jesse. So please keep yeah. talking, Jesse. I mean, I don't even need David here. I'm like, I'm just with Jesse. Right. And, you know, I, like, David, can you stand up and switch I'm like, actually, David, can you just go get some of the drinks for table, whatever, because Jesse needs to sit down. So, you know, I find, for better or for worse, the way you're describing your relationship with public health and your, in, your interest level in, in wanting to work in that uh, field and going back to school for it, which of course we didn't really mention um, your journey there, but it's what turns you on, right? So what turns Jamie and I on is hearing a story like yours. Like to me, like I'm listening to you and it's as if I'm watching like the most riveting reality TV because I geek out on other people's journeys, right? So I'm listening to you thinking, okay, so here's this girl that thought she was going to go back to school for her master's in public health and yet gets married to a guy who is in, a, in the service industry like she has. It's a complete different situation. Now she's focused on this thing, but now she's going to do this thing for the governor and then move to Princeton and then, man, by the way, we're going to be in a pandemic. Okay. Yeah. So the good news is, which we discussed at the table, was that you were able to use your skill set that you just learned to apply it to a world you're passionate about, which, dun, 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 the restaurant industry, which is suffering so incredibly, um, tremendously right now, no matter who you are, of course, all of us are trying to eat wherever we can outdoor with the feeling of when will the other shoe drop and or what will it look like if it doesn't, because no matter what the shoe has dropped for a lot of these businesses, like what you learned was actually could not have been more well-timed. And who's to say what could come out of it now that you've ex exercised your degree, the experience from the pandemic, and also working at the governor's mansion. I mean, I, I can't think of a better person to exploit to our audience and saying, look, look what she did. She just rolled in and then was able to use her skills in some way. Um, totally. I don't know what that, I think we're all kind of immersed in the what's happening right now. But, so we can't really see you know, the hindsight that will come out of this, like down the line, but my intuition says, you're probably doing all of the right things. You just don't know it yet. So yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, I'm on your LinkedIn and in the interest of time, I want to make sure we just touch on a couple of points. that will be like key kind of sound bites for Ming at a shared universe to use. Um, so you went to school at Montclair State, so you're a Jersey girl, but then you were in North Carolina, it looks like for many years doing, um, mostly nonprofit work. Is that right? Okay. And then how did you go from doing that to deciding to come back to New York to get your master's? Talk us through a little bit of your journey there and how you landed where you are now. Just a quick snapshot. Sure. Um, so when I was in my mid twenties, um, I went through a breakup and, um, for some reason, I always had this idea in my head that I wanted to live in North Carolina. Um, I'd never been there before. I didn't know anybody there. Um, but in my crazy head, it was the place that I was supposed to be. 
Um, so after I let go of the person that was my main reason for staying in New Jersey, um, I took my dog and we up and moved to Raleigh. Um, I spent four years living there, which was actually the longest I'd ever stayed in one place. So that was already monumental in itself. I was known for just like up and moving every year forever. So I ended up staying there for four years. Um, I found work that I was really passionate about in the nonprofit sector there. Um, I made friends that I'd never made in, you know, as an adult before. Um, and I really found my place in terms of um, where I wanted to be next with regard to public health and, you know, really deepening my ability to provide meaningful services onto others within not only the domestic uh, sphere of health, but also internationally as well. So um, my now husband and I had been friends for about 10 years at this point in time. We, of course, met working at a restaurant while I was going to Montclair. And um, we spent a lot of time traveling back and forth. We'd always visit each other when we had time off. Uh, we'd vacation together, you know, but we were always just friends. And during my time in North Carolina, I dated a lot of like really lousy people. And he had also dated a lot of really lousy people up here in New Jersey. And one day we just had this moment where we said like, maybe we're supposed to be together. And <laughs> so um, I decided that uh, I, I was going to ask him to be my boyfriend. <laughs> like Started. in a post in a note or <laughs> I'm sorry like sent him a quick it just I felt am. like it was coming in a note like, should we okay. like I don't know it, yeah it was text okay if you really want to know it was a text <laughs> um and he said yeah so um we understood that it was a big risk because I, he and I firmly believe that once you date someone you can't be friends with them again after that mm -hmm. like it's a make it or break it kind of thing um, so we dated long distance for a year and we got to a point where we said, you know, either one of us needs to move or we need to stop doing this because it's mm -hmm. too emotionally exhausting to be apart. Um, so I ended up moving back to New Jersey. Ches was already, um, very invested in B2 and, you know, was, uh, fully committed to that project. Uh, so I was in the process of applying to grad school at that time. I applied to schools up here, and then I made my transition back to New Jersey. Um, so I, I never in a million years thought that I would get into NYU. I never in a million years planned to be back in New Jersey. And I also never really planned to be with Chez. Mm -hmm. um, but those three things all kind of came together at the same time. And uh, I got accepted into school. I decided my moving date. And uh, I moved into Chaz's apartment in Red Bank. Nothing like you know, going to I NYU from it. Red Bank. I love, <laughs> I love this story because I think one of the one of the mantras we say often to our candidates that we work with, you know, as you likely know from meeting Marissa, but to give you a, a quick snapshot, Marissa and I are career counselors, career coaches, and then from there became podcasters and you know influencers and motivational speakers and all the things. Um, but when we talk to people about their careers, we find one of our favorite mantras is just, you know, it's not even just, it's say yes, right? So this is a girl, here's Jesse, a perfect example of like, 
something bad happens. She breaks up with this guy. She's always thought it. She wanted, thought she wanted, thought it. That sounds like my four-year-old thought it. She wanted to go to North Carolina. So she's like, okay, I'm going to go to North Carolina. And there she was finding success and ending up finding, you know, the spark to decide to go back into school for public health and then gets this opportunity to move back, says yes. And here she is. So I think what's so important about that story that you just told besides don't just move for a guy or away from a guy is um, (laughs) to to trust your intuition. First and foremost, obviously I can tell from talking to you for five minutes that you obviously have a strong gut instinct and we're able to just know that you were making the right decisions. And even if you don't know what they are right away, you know, in your gut that you're meant to be doing those things. So here you are now working in this really big, important job during a, you know, international crisis. So if you could talk to briefly, just tell us a little bit about what you're doing now for both the governor and also at your restaurant that you manage and how it affect is affected by what we're going through and any advice that you can share or kind of tidbit fast of, you know, what you can give to other people out there that are doing similar work that are just trying to, you know, survive this craziness that we're living in. And, you know, how you decided to, you know, you were basically forced to pivot as most people have been forced to pivot in some direction, some way, either at their current job or to switch to a new job. So we'd love to hear just your thoughts on all that and kind of where you're at now mentally. Sure. Um, So uh, in my current job at the governor's mansion, um, I'm the person that oversees everything that happens there. Um, It doesn't matter if it's a dead tree getting cut down in the yard or if it's a dinner for the French ambassador. Like those are all things that are within my realm. Um, So the job itself is definitely full of um, a lot of pivots. Um, It's a lot of things that I don't have an area of uh, tremendous expertise in, but I have to learn as I go and just figure out how to get it done. Um, it, it fits well with my mentality about just getting things done. So I don't find it to be, um, I don't find it to be off kilter with any of the other work that I've done. Um, we focus there on, uh, including everything possible that is from New Jersey to showcase the state and also just, um, showcase to people coming from outside of the state, what we have here. Well, a um, lot of corn and tomatoes and fresh moots. <laughs> what else? <laughs> hey. Hey, oh. <laughs> Some Jersey Shore? Yeah, exactly. right? Pump in the back. Yeah. <laughs> so we... Uh, Some blue light under the cars. <laughs> so Chez and I kind of share that passion with, um, you know, working with local vendors, working with farmers from the area, uh, working with local winemakers, the the cheese guy, the meat guy, the butcher, whatever. Whoever I got a guy. I got a guy. <laughs> Jersey. That's what New Jersey is. So um, a big part of my job and his is to uh, figure out creative ways to showcase all of these things. Um, so day-to-day operations are mostly property management related, but then the more exciting part of the work that we do is we get to host um, a variety of sizes and shapes of functions. So we'll do anything from, you know, a four person intimate dinner 
all the way up to a 250 person gala. Um, and Chaz and I are fortunate that we work well together. We think the same in terms of eating things and just getting them done the right way. Um, you know, obviously all of this has changed tremendously. Uh, we were shut down for a few months. We've slowly started hosting again. So we've been starting to do this. Did the governor shut down his own governor's mansion? Like, you know, yeah. like how does, who gets, who if shuts If it's comes tree falls in the forest. Egg. Yeah. <laughs> who makes that decision? Well, I'm going to close my own thing. <laughs> I mean... I am very clearly a Democrat, and I'm also very clearly invested in um, population health. So I will say that um, the governor has done a tremendous job of agreeing down every, even his own governors. So I got to give him credit where it's due for that. Totally. I love that. We've He's slowly like started bringing, we've slowly started bringing people back into the house um we've got some gears that are back on site now um chez and i and one of our groundskeepers took some time over the shutdown to uh put in a huge vegetable garden on the property um so we've had a lot of time to invest into that project and we've been able to bring in a bunch of community groups to help out with maintaining that um and now we're just kind of trying to find our feet again um as we're starting to host again um, I would say it's similar in nature to the work that I'm involved in at One Willow. There it's a little bit different because we're so seasonally driven. Um, we know that we are nonstop busy from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And then if we're lucky, we have more of a local summer in September. Um, but we've had to take a really aggressive stance there as well with regard to how do we make sure that uh, we're fully ready to bring as many people as possible through these doors without sacrificing safety or comfort or anything like that? Mm -hmm. So there's a big crossover between the two jobs that I'm focusing on now. And um, with regard to how I see things going forward, not to interrupt you, obviously there's, I mean, it's no, if you don't feel comfortable commenting on this, I totally get it. But there's obviously so much chatter and noise right now about opening up indoor dining. Um, you know, most of the folks we're speaking to tonight um, run a business in Red Bank that is has been affected by the decisions or lack thereof of the governor or anybody else that's making these choices and decisions, which obviously are you know, based on science and what the state and the entire country is dictating at this point. I mean, no pressure, Jesse. You only work in hospitality. <laughs> yeah, and like sit next to the governor of public health. I like, can't imagine where your opinion might not be desired from local community. No, and, and you know, I think it's interesting because I do find it so fascinating. I'm not very political, um, but I, you know, obviously sway similar views, of course, to you, Jesse. But I do believe um, it's so interesting that each state is given their own jurisdiction here. I mean, obviously, we're going through it as mothers right now, Marissa and I, with schools opening. And, and so much of this is so top of mind. Now, dining is not necessarily my everyday world, obviously, I love going out to eat and I'm thrilled I'm able to currently. I don't know what that's going to look like in a couple of months. And obviously that's something that's way more 
timely and prominent for you. But I do find it interesting that different states are doing different things. I went out to dinner in um, Pennsylvania, which, by the way, my my in-laws live about 15 minutes from Princeton, just over the Trenton border, like on that side, Bucks County. And so it's like five minutes from New Jersey and you're able to eat inside. Um, They did a wonderful job. We went to Iron Hill Brewery. We were inside. There was like six other tables total. The whole place, it was like us, like four empty tables, another table. And I was having all sorts of anxiety about going just because I was like, wait, you can eat inside here? Like what? Um, So what are your thoughts on all that and where it's going? when When you spend six months being told you're not allowed to eat inside. And then all of a sudden you're like, am I allowed to eat inside? You know? I was freaking out, but it was fine. It was actually lovely and very well done. So I would love to hear your thoughts on all that, just from a public health standpoint, even not even just what New Jersey is going to do, but just in general. Sure. Um, So obviously I'm in kind of a unique situation because a part of my income is dependent on getting bodies into seats. Um, But of course, population health comes above all things in my, in my world. So, uh, it's been, I've had a lot of moments over the summer where I've uh, said to myself that I wish I knew less mm-hmm. uh, because it's been very difficult to be challenged by customers sometimes to say, oh, well, you know, Murphy should have done this and Murphy should have done that. Um, all politics aside, just looking at the things from a science perspective, I would say that because we were so aggressive in our shutdown, I can say that I pretty firmly believe that we'll be one of the only states that doesn't shut back down. You know, so there's been major upfront sacrifices from business owners, from restaurateurs, from, you know, everyday people like us that just want to go out to eat or just go to the bar or whatever. Um, But because we've made those upfront sacrifices, I think that we'll have a better long-term outcome than other states. Um, It's been, it's been challenging a lot of times when I have to bite my tongue because um, the so actually I know better. I work there during the day. Thanks. Yeah, like, it's, yeah. it's it's tough. Um, there's still for some reason this um, preconceived notion that if you work in the service industry, you don't really have a brain. You're just like here to bring cheeseburgers, guys. Um, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. I have a brain and um, like I said, I just know too much on the topic. But uh, I, I'm confident in the steps that we've taken as a state. I feel really good about um, our response time, our collective efforts. Um, and I think ultimately, as I said, the population general outcomes will be better than what we see in our neighboring states. Um, of course, I want indoor dining to reopen. Of course, I want everything to reopen. Um, you know, all of us that are in the restaurant industry are dependent on that. But I do not want to see the state have to shut back down. You know, that would be devastating beyond repair in so many ways. And I think that the level of um, just outcry and outbursts from the community, the tolerance of another shutdown would be so minimal compared to the first time. So while we have compliance, I think it's best that we've been doing such an aggressive job. Um, I have heard rumblings of some indoor dining reopening in the next couple of weeks. Um, so that's exciting. I know it's going to be very limited and there's still going to be a lot of restrictions, but um, we're, we're making steps in the right direction. And that's what I think is most important for everybody to remember is that 
we're headed that way. Maybe it's not as fast as you want it to be. Um, but in terms of thinking about the greater good and the greater population, we have to move slowly and cautiously and really keep an eye on, on numbers and data and not just what people want. Mm -hmm. I love all this, Jesse. I want to crawl in your lap a little. Um, I know she's like wearing a robe. <laughs> Well, you know, I think obviously we could talk to you for three hours, but I think so much of what you've said has been so helpful and hopefully will be extremely interesting when Ming chops it all up and puts it in with what our other guests tonight will be talking about. As I mentioned, we have um, a business owner who owns three businesses on Monmouth Street and Red Bank, Mr. Pizza Slice, De La Vie, and Tossed. We have John Akara tonight, who was my wedding photographer and now owns Red Tank Brewery. Um, talk about he already pivoted, but now has had to pivot by having all of his stuff outside. And Ming himself, our sound guru, who, you know, has an indoor podcast studio and has and had to, everybody we're interviewing tonight outside. were pivoters that pivoted. Yeah. Nope. Pivoted. Like it's like actual like all the way it's down. It's like, you get a pivot and you get a pivot. <laughs> um, well, thank you for coming on, Jesse. I know you have a busy afternoon. We won't keep you longer. Is there anything that you wanted to say or share that we didn't get to ask you fast that may be a good soundbite for Ming or anything else you want to you know, say to anyone listening? Obviously, our podcast is mostly career shifters, pivoters, people looking for career inspiration. Obviously, you are such an inspiration in so many ways of the different things you've been done that you've shared over the last couple of minutes, but anything else that you want to share to our audience? Um, I say that, so I'm one of those people. I really strongly believe that the universe sends you what you need when you need it, even if you don't want to see it or think about it. Um, so I think my story is kind of lined with those moments of, um, why is this happening or why do I deserve this or why don't I deserve this? But um, it's all played out in a way that after the fact has made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. so I'm hopeful career wise that my uh, current jobs are leading me to that next great thing as well. Um, and I would just offer that else that's in a similar position right now with uncertainty and perhaps they've lost a job throughout the pandemic or something like that. Um, I still hold on to that idea very dearly that there is some next good thing ahead. I love that. And do you have, I, you strike me as somebody that might have a mantra or two that you live by. Is there any mantra that you say to yourself or that speaking of what you were just kind of saying, I mean, obviously everything happens for a reason or listen to the universe. Marissa and I are big on all of those things, but anything specific that you wanted to share? I would say my mantra is actually my Instagram handle. It's she who is brave is free. Um, I think that there's um, so much freedom to be found in those moments where you have to make a brave choice, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's asking for help or it's um, passing on responsibility or taking on more than you think you can. Um, the freedom always outweighs the risk in those moments. So that's the mantra that I hold on to. Well, so that I think if I've ever seen one. So thank you so much for that. Um, Marissa, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt I was, you. I was just going to say that if there's ever been 30 minutes that proves why Jamie and I do what I do or what we do, 
or why I'm creepy when talking to someone at a restaurant. <laughs> this is it. So I, I cannot thank you enough for putting this time for us together, for anyone that eventually will help, um, for the words of wisdom and support and patience and TLC that you've gifted to our audience and New Jersey and anybody else in the country that listens that is watching what we're doing or wishing their state did what we are doing and or are frustrated. I think that you just were really cozy, educated, in the know, bathrobe analogy, <laughs> sorry, for all humans. And you pour a ridiculous drink. So. Really good drinks at One Will Out in general. Yeah. I had the Paloma. And by I had a Paloma, I mean I had several. She, she, she knows what she did. She knows what she did. I, is Palo I had several Paloma on my venture to one willow. I was like, um, I'll take another. Um, anyway, thank you, Jesse. And thank you indirectly to your husband, Chez, as well, for sharing through you some of that info. Would have loved to have met him. We'll have to do another meeting another time, but appreciate your time. And hopefully we'll see you again soon. Thank you guys so much for having me.